Cabin Pressure by John Finnamore, starring Stephanie Cole as Carolyn, Roger Allen as Douglas, Benedict Cumberbatch as Martin, and John Finnamore as Arthur. This week, Ipswich. Golf Tango India continue as cleared. Thank you, Shannon. Do you want any more of this one, Douglas? No, I don't think so. I think I'm done. All right. Arthur! Yes, Kip? Cheese tray is now open to Arthur's. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, chaps. Oh, wow, almost a whole squidgy one. It's funny. This is like something I saw on a wildlife show last night. I was just thinking something similar myself. <laughs> no, it's these um, African hunting dogs. And what they've got is they've got an alpha dog, uh, beta dogs, and amigo dogs. Amigo dogs? Surely you've heard of amigo dogs. Spanish breed, very friendly. <laughs> Often found in threes. <laughs> omega? Do you mean omega? Oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, when they kill something, the alpha dog eats as much as he wants first, then the beta dogs have a go, and then the amigo dogs have the leftovers. And that's like us, isn't it? Well, not really, because Douglas and I share the cheese tray. So? Well, so the alpha dog and the beta dog are eating together. And which is which, pray? I think that's perfectly obvious, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> so do I. Good. No, no, I, I meant you're the two beta dogs. What? Because Mum always has the camembert off the tray before I bring it in. What? There's camembert? We never get any camembert. Though thinking about it, that is a secret. <laughs> Carolyn! Gentlemen. Carolyn, we have a complaint. Oh, dear me. Tell you what, why don't you write it down, put it in an envelope, tear it in half, throw it away and shut your face. <laughs> in the meantime, attend. Are you busy on Monday? Yes. yes. Quite right. Full marks now. Prepare to learn what it is you will be busy doing. No, Carolyn, Monday's a day off. It's been on the wall chart for ages. Wall charts can lie, Martin. Notoriously deceitful, the wall chart. <laughs> anyway, on Monday, you'll be delighted to learn I have booked us a refresher SEP course. Oh. Carolyn! No. What's up? That? Safety and emergency procedures. Amongst other things, jumping into a cold swimming pool in uniform and scrambling into life rafts. Brilliant! No, that's a bad... Oh, never mind. Carolyn, I don't need a refresher. Of course you do. Procedures change, Douglas. Aircraft change. The only time this aircraft changes is when another bit falls off it. <laughs> well, procedures change. Is it still pull to go up, push to go down? Yes. I'm fine, then. You are all going, because if you don't, the CAA will stop you flying. And although heaven knows that's not a bad idea, my job depends on preventing it. Where is it? Ipswich. Oh, brilliant. Where I went before. Will there be more learning how to understand people? <laughs> no, Arthur. I think you understand as much about people as you ever will. Thanks, Mum. What a nice thing to say. Case in point. <laughs> oh, pipe down. Do you not have overtaking in Ipswich? Give me another one, Mum. All right. How many loud hailers are there in the aft cabinet? Okay, and aft is the one at the front. Back, back, back. I meant back. The four comes before the aft that comes after. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, that's because no one but Arthur has ever needed a mnemonic for four and aft. <laughs> <laughs> Two in the aft cabinet, none in the four, one in the flight deck. Yes, Martin, but please try and let Arthur answer one. How do you know all this stuff, Martin? It is my duty to be familiar with the safety equipment of the aircraft I command. Goodness. Hearken to the mighty woof of the alpha dog. What? Arthur was telling us about that documentary. 
Martin is laboring under the delusion that he is the alpha dog in this organization. Aha! Whereas you, of course, correctly reminded him that I am. You have the loudest bark, certainly, but I like to think I'm the one who brings down the hearty beast. Douglas, you give me a question. Oh, I don't know any of this stuff. Then how do you think you're going to pass the exam? Luck. You can't rely on luck. You can't rely on luck. <laughs> Skip, you give me one. Oh, all right. At what number of passengers does it become compulsory to carry at least one flight attendant? Well, we always carry at least one. So therefore, no passengers? No, 19. All oh, right. It depends, though. Uh, no, no, it doesn't depend. The answer is 19. Yeah, but if it's somewhere nice, Mum will come. Or if the passengers are important. Or if she's bored. Yes, but if you say any of that, you'll fail. Whereas if you say 19, you won't fail. Do you understand that? 19. 19 passengers, one cabin crew, 19. 19. 19. Will you all please stop saying 19? I didn't say 19. That is exactly the problem. <laughs> Miss Nepsheppy? That's right, yes. Hello, I'm Dr. Duncan, Peter Duncan. Not the Peter Duncan. Not which Peter Duncan? Peter Duncan. Who's Peter Duncan? From Blue Peter in the 80s. And Duncan Deaths. Oh, yes, I remember him. He was great. Yes, well, I'm not him. <laughs> oh. Jolly good. Now, this is Captain Martin Creef, First Officer Douglas Richardson. Hello, no, 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 the other way around. Oh, for the love of And Arthur Shappy Stewart. Right, so you're the advanced guard, are you? How do you mean? Well, just that the others haven't arrived yet. Which others would those be? Well, the rest of the airline. Dr. Duncan, you see before you the airline. Drink us in. There's 400 of you. Are there, though? Count again. Not 400. Four. Right. That's unfortunate. I should probably speak to catering. But... <laughs> anyway, um... Welcome. I'll be looking after the classroom side of things. And Mr. Sergeant, Mr. Sergeant, can I borrow you? Good morning. After a quick CRM lecture, Mr. Sergeant will be putting you through the pool drill. Then, after lunch, we'll have the exam. And finally, Mr. Sergeant will take you through the smoke-filled fuselage. Metaphorically? No, sir, not metaphorically, sir, no. We had a bit of a job getting our hands on a metaphorical fuselage, sir. And even if you can track one down, it's a bugger trying to fill it with a simile of some smoke. I see. Tell me, Mr. Sergeant, were you in the RAF by any chance? I certainly was. And were you a sergeant, Mr. Sergeant? No, sir, I wasn't a sergeant because, as we just established, I was in the RA Bleeding F, not the Bleeding Army, so I was a warrant officer. And since my name is not Warrant Officer, <laughs> this occasion no bleeding mirth whatsoever. Right. Good. Good to get that sorted out. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm just going to dash off and do what I can to hold back 400 quiches. <laughs> Must you sit at the back, Douglas? I always sit at the back. But there's only two of us in a lecture theatre with 500 seats. <laughs> Some of which are at the back. <laughs> Sorry I'm late, chaps. Trying to intercept the caterers. Did you manage? Now, I hope you've got an appetite. <laughs> right, Douglas, uh, do you want to join us down here, maybe? No, I'm fine. Right, fair enough, all right. Well, um, well why don't we come and join you at the back? Oh, for goodness sake. 
Now then, I want to talk to you today about the potentially dangerous mindsets a pilot can get themselves into, and in particular, what are known as the six deadly eyes. These are... Impatience, impulsivity, invulnerability, insecurity, indecision, and I know best. Absolutely, yes, Gosh, well done. So, let's take them one by one. I know best is the anti-authority attitude that rules and regulations don't apply to you, that you make up your own laws. Now, I don't know if either of you have ever flown with anyone like this. Yeah, me, I have. Yes, I definitely have. Right. Well, don't name any names. Oh, no, 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 certainly not. No, no, no. Let's, um, let's call him Dougal. Google ignores safety briefings, tech checks. He can barely be persuaded to file a flight plan. He basically thinks he's always right. Has it occurred to you that maybe Dougal is always right? <laughs> it's definitely occurred to Dougal. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, next, impulsivity. That's the tendency of some pilots to panic under pressure to do the first thing they think of just for the sake of doing something. Now, again, you may never have... Actually, that does ring a little bell. <laughs> Well, again, without naming names. No, that would be the height of iniquity. Well, this chap could be literally any of the other pilots in MJN Air. <laughs> Let's call him Marvin. <laughs> Once requested an emergency landing because his watch went off. It was a new watch with a very odd alarm. Oh, have you flown with Marvin, Martin? <laughs> Curious chap, isn't he? Then there's insecurity, always trying to prove he's as good a pilot as anyone else. Marvin. Impatience, sacrifices procedure or even safety to save time. Dougal. And finally, indecision, getting caught in the headlights of a problem and being unable to settle on a plan of action. And Marvin. I thought you said Marvin impulsively did the first thing he thought of. Amazingly, he manages to combine both, doing whichever is least appropriate to the situation. Okay, well, what's good here is that we're fostering a real openness between the two of you. Yes, that is good, isn't it? Hmm, well done us. <laughs> All right, where are the asbestos fire gloves kept? Yes, brilliant, I know this one. In the galley, on top of the microwave. No, they're behind the captain's seat. They're not, though. They're on top of the microwave. Yes, I know that's where they actually are. <laughs> right then. But that's not where you should say they are. Why not? Because we probably shouldn't let the CAA examiner know we use vital safety equipment as oven gloves. <laughs> <clears throat> ah, Mr. Sergeant, I was I just... I didn't hear um... a thing, madam. In the Air Force, we used to use the CO2 fire extinguishers to cool the beer. Just don't let Dr. Duncan hear you. Speaking of whom, madam, the good doctor asks if you could bring your company portfolio to him in the seminar room. The seminar room? Oh, yes. How would we won the Battle of Britain if we hadn't had our portfolios in the seminar room? Yes, of course. Arthur, stay here and keep revising. You're having trouble revising, are you? Yeah, I'm not at my best with exams and stuff. What are you at your best at? Uh, <laughs> probably crazy golf. <laughs> All right, well, look, you didn't hear this from me, but uh, shall I tell you an interesting thing about the passenger oxygen generators in your aircraft? Oh, yeah, please. They produce oxygen for exactly 12 minutes. That's not very interesting. Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. See, if I was a young lad studying for an exam, I'd find it very interesting indeed. Oh, right, because it might come up. Oh, I'm certainly not telling you that. I'm merely saying it's a possibility. Ah. Oh. Well, thanks, but no, I don't think so. Uh, it sounds like it's mainly going to be stuff about where stuff is. Right, so you don't reckon that's the sort of thing they'd ask, whereas I, as someone who works in the test centre, 
reckons it's exactly the sort of thing they'd ask. Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. OK. <laughs> You're an idiot. I know. That's why I'm worried. <laughs> All right. So, in this session... Hang on. Where's Martin? Oh, well, this is a breakout group just for the first officers. All one of us. Yes, I see what you mean, but best to stick to the plan. You see, a common problem in flight decks with poor crew resource management is that the first officer is overly in awe of the captain. Is it now? Yes. Now... The method I want to teach you is the five-step statement. So, Douglas, imagine you've noticed a problem, but you're shy of bringing it up with your captain. Step one... Hang on. Yes? No, it's just this is going to need really quite a lot of imagination. <laughs> OK, got it. OK. Step one... No, it's gone again. Step one... First you get his attention. Now, depending on how you get on, that might be, excuse me, sir, or, uh, captain, mm -hmm. or in an informal flight deck, it might just be, hey, chief. Might it really? Yes. So, step two, state your concern in a non-confrontational manner. Hey, chief, I might be wrong. I might be wrong? Yes. <laughs> That's a good trick for taking the sting out of it. I might be wrong, but I think we're low on fuel. Step three, let him know how you feel about this. This makes me feel uneasy. Step four, propose a solution. One thing we could do is reduce our speed. Step five, obtain buy-in to your idea. How does that sound to you? Well, frankly, it sounds like the no, biggest no, load. No, no. <laughs> That's what you might say. How does that sound to you? Ah. So, do you want to role-play that through now, Douglas? I would love to. <laughs> hey, Chief, I might be wrong, but I think we're flying into a mountain. <laughs> this makes me feel... scared of the mountain. <laughs> One thing we could do is pull up and fly over the mountain. <laughs> How does that sound to... Yes, of course, in, in that situation, you might need to react a little more instinctively. Oh, do you think so? <laughs> All right, lady and gentlemen, welcome to the pool drill. No doubt Dr Duncan's given you some fascinating glimpses into the psychology of the aviational mind. But what we're going to do now is check you know how to get off your burning aircraft and into your nice, safe, floaty boat. Mr. Sergeant? Yes, sir. This is brilliant. Good. <laughs> right, then. So there you are, up in your little plane somewhere above the North Atlantic, when suddenly, oh, dearie me, beep, 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 two engine failures. Not the best of news, seeing as you only have two engines and you have to glide to a false landing. The exercise begins just as you have glid the plane to sea level. Sorry, glid? Yes, glid. <laughs> There's something funny about it? Not in the least, no. I'm very glad we glid. Right. <laughs> then when I blow my whistle, jump into the pool, inflate the life raft, and conduct standard emergency procedure. <laughs> Good lad! Well, come on, the rest of you. In, in, in. It's all right. 
it, I'm getting in. Oh, 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 God, it's cold. Yes, madam, this is what we tend to find in the North Bleeding Atlantic Ocean. And what about you two? Come on in. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm just putting in my earplugs. You don't need bleeding earplugs, sir. Well, I, I do, actually. Um, I have a slight abnormality of the inner ear. I, I can't go swimming. Get without... yourself in the bleeding pool, sir. Now! Uh. Arthur, here's the dinghy. Catch. Thanks, Douglas. So now, what do I just pull this? Um... Whoa! Look at that! Hey, sir, why are you not in the pool? First officer retrieves dinghy, conveys it to cabin crew. Yes, well, first officer's done that. Now, first officer gets in the bleeding pool himself. I think not. I don't care whether or not you bleeding well think so. Get in the pool. No. You see, the problem is, I was never in the RAF. So, rather sadly, I've never managed to cultivate a fear of shouty, red-faced little men with bristly heads. <laughs> I was, however, in command of an aircraft for 13 years. Though not now. Though not now. And I picked up a few little things along the way, such as, if the engines are stopped, there's no risk of fire. And so it would be a poor decision to waterlog my clothing and risk hypothermia when I can remain on the wing of the aircraft and wait for the gallant steward to steer the dinghy close enough to it that I can step in like so. <laughs> Hello there, Arthur. I suppose you think you're very clever, don't you? I'll let you into a little secret. I sometimes do. <laughs> right, another quiche, I think. Anyone else? Skip. No. But you've only had one. Yes, I've had one. One is the correct dosage of quiche for the adult human male. <laughs> How many have you had now? Seven. <laughs> and we have got a hundred each to get through. It was a mistake, Arthur, not a challenge. <laughs> Wait a minute, Arthur. Listen, all of you. We've only got the exam and the fuselage drill to go. The exam's in the lap of the gods, but in the fuselage, we are going to concentrate. We are going to be disciplined. We are going to listen to one clear voice of command. Got that? Yes. Thank you, Carolyn. Not you, idiot. Me. But I'm the captain. Yes, Martin. Everyone who's ever met you knows you're the captain, but I am the alpha dog. You say that, Carolyn. But... I do say that, Douglas, yes, because if you'd seen the documentary, you'd know that what makes an alpha dog is not languid put-downs. It's providing the pack with their food, their shelter, their pay, their hotel rooms, and most of all, their aeroplane. Goodness, I wish I had seen it now. <laughs> so, in the fuselage, everyone listen to me and follow me, especially you, Arthur. And Arthur, in the exam... I know. Nineteen. No, Arthur, that's only the answer to one question. Oh, right. Which one? <laughs> All right. Individual questions now. Martin. How are the passenger oxygen masks activated? Automatically, by a barometric pressure switch when the cabin altitude is 14,000 feet or when the pass oxygen switch on the overhead panel is positioned to on. Yes, perfect answer. Okay. Carolyn, how many smoke hoods are there in the rear stowage compartment? Two. Yes. Okay. Do you want to elaborate on that? There's one. And there's another one. <laughs> Totaling two. <laughs> yes, okay. Fine, yes. Douglas, <clears throat> a slightly obscure one for you, I'm afraid. At what number of passengers does it become compulsory to carry at least one flight attendant? Hmm, that is tricky. You would get that one. Still, I'll have a stab at it. Could it be 
19. Quite right. <laughs> Finally, Arthur, for how long does a passenger oxygen generator produce oxygen once activated? Oh, that's a coincidence. <laughs> Someone was just talking to me about that. Was it you, Douglas? Or Mum? Someone, anyway. So what's the answer? I don't know. I didn't listen. <laughs> All right, lady and gentlemen. Ignore the pool this time. Concentrate your attentions on the mock-up fuselage. Inside, it has been laid out in exactly the same way as your aircraft, with the tiny improvement that we've filled it with smoke. Also, somewhere inside is Adrian, a life-size, life-weight dummy representing an unlucky passenger. Obviously, any passenger of MJ and Air is by definition an unlucky passenger. But this one is unlucky even by your own high standards, because he is relying on you to save him. When I blow my whistle, you will don your smoke hoods, enter the fuselage in a random order, locate Adrian and retrieve him in under five minutes. The random order is as follows. Arthur, Douglas, Carolyn, Martin. Oh, I mean, hooray, but also... I don't think I should go first. No, nor do I. That's why you're going first. On your marks, get set. Come on, come on, Hudson, quickly, right. In you go. In, in, in. Not all separately like sheep that have gone into a bleeding garden. Hold the back of the belt of the crew member in front. One minute left. Come on. No. Hasn't gone anywhere? No. No, but I am. I am. I am a dick. 45 seconds. We'll have to abandon it. What was that? It was Skipper. He's fallen down. Martin, are you all right? Arthur, how do you know it was Martin? I was holding onto his belt. But you were in the lead. But Mr. Sergeant said everyone holds someone's belt. But not you. Never mind that now. Is Martin all right? I think so. My screen's a bit misted up. I'll just... Uh... <coughs> so what exactly happened? Yes, what exactly happened? Let's see if we can piece it together for the good doctor. For starters, how many bodies did you rescue from the fuselage? Two. <laughs> Two. Which is pretty good going, given that I only put one in there. <laughs> Carolyn, whose body did you rescue? Arthur's. Arthur's. And why was Arthur's body lying in the fuselage? I got a bit smoke-filled. Yes, you did. <laughs> because in the smoke-filled cabin, in order to see more clearly, you took off your smoke hood. And what was you trying to see more clearly? The body I found. The body you found. The body Douglas, in the end, brought out of the fuselage, the body of... Martin. <laughs> the body of Martin. And why was the body of Martin lying on the floor? Uh, as I believe I mentioned before, I have a slight abnormality of the inner ear. It's, it's perfectly airworthy, but it means I, um, I, 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 I black out if I get dizzy. If you get dizzy. And why was you dizzy? Because we were going round in circles. <laughs> and that was because... Because Arthur was holding on to my belt. Explained exactly. Because you was all holding on to each other's belts, going round and round the smoke-filled cabin, playing Ring-a-Ring-a-Roses. While Adrian the Dubby looked on, burning merrily to a crisp. 
In which circumstances, I hope it will come as no surprise that you have well and truly failed the SEP. No, you can't fail us. I not only can, I have to. And I not only have to, I want to. Quite right, Mr Sergeant. Absolutely. Though, of course, you could maybe let them retake it. I could, at my discretion, allow a retake if I had any reason to think they were under an unfair disadvantage, which I don't. Oh, but we were. Oh, yes, and what was that? Arthur was in the lead. <laughs> the crew is only as strong as its weakest link, and your weakest link is very weak indeed. If you want me, I won't be in the seminar room. Peter, can I have a word with you? I'm sorry, Carolyn, but Mr. Sergeant's quite right, and Arthur did fail his exam as well. Look, this is a very safe aircraft. I have a good pilot and a safe pilot, and the safe pilot's in charge of the good pilot. <laughs> Martin won't let them get into trouble, and if they do, Douglas would get them out of it. But it does have Arthur on it. Yes, but Arthur doesn't do anything. He just serves the meals. If anything went wrong, I'd handle it. And if I wasn't on board, the pilots would handle it. Arthur is basically just a passenger in a hat. <laughs> That's only because he made himself a hat. <clears throat> hey, Chief. <laughs> What? I might be wrong. <laughs> Sorry. I really must learn to say that with a straight face. <clears throat> I, I might be wrong, but I think Arthur's about to lose us all our jobs. This is not... Hang on. I'm only on step two. <laughs> this makes me feel... unemployed. <laughs> And also a little surprised, given that I'm sure I've heard quite a lot recently that the number of passengers at which it becomes compulsory to carry a flight attendant is 19. And I just wonder how often that situation's going to occur in our aircraft with its 16 seats. <laughs> ah. And how does that sound to you? Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Enjoy the hearty beast. <laughs> Dr. Duncan, we've had a slight company reorganisation in the last few seconds. From now on, Arthur will no longer fly on the crew roster. Henceforth, any flights he happens to be on, he'll be on the passenger roster. As a passenger? Precisely. But still acting as a steward? Certainly not. Of course, as a frequent flyer, he may choose to help the other passengers, you know. Always be first to offer to get the coffee and serve dinner and stay behind after to hoover the aircraft. But in the eyes of God and the CAA, he will simply be an unusually helpful passenger who wears a hat. <laughs> Well, that, that would make things a lot easier. Yes, it would. So long as the rest of you pass the fuselage drill. Peter, it has long been a maxim of MJN Air that when Arthur stops helping, we can do anything. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Four minutes and uh, 52 seconds. The very definition of barely adequate. <laughs> but you rescued Adrian. You're in time. Therefore, on the strict understanding that Arthur has no official role on the aircraft whatsoever, except possibly chock, <laughs> you all pass. Hey! Except you. Why? What did I do? Please give me another chance. Not you. Oh. You. Me? Yes, my friend, you. Because for all your smooth talking and your smart answers, matey, 
No one passes my SEP training without demonstrating to my satisfaction they can swim strongly in uniform and rescue a body from the water. I see. Well, then, we'll just have to see what the CAA adjudicates when I take... Douglas, shut up. Martin, pass me, Adrian. Here. Douglas, fetch. That was Cabin Pressure by John Finnamore. It starred Stephanie Cole as Carolyn, Roger Allen as Douglas, Benedict Cumberbatch as Martin, and John Finnamore as Arthur. It also starred Alex McQueen as Dr. Peter Duncan and Phil Davis as Mr. Sergeant. The producer was David Tyler, and the program was a positive production for the BBC. Yeah.